I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back to the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Kavanaugh, and we've got another exciting show for you today. It's still summer. It's still campfire season. So we're back with another fireside chat. So joining me once again, we have the doctor of dynasty, Dr. John Chansey. John, the last we spoke to you, you're getting ready to move. How was that? How is life in OKC? Hey, Jack. Thanks for having me on the show again. Life is wonderful in Oklahoma City. My thunder are back to playing ball. Um, I'm back to work and teaching here in a couple of weeks. I'm actually working uh, for Oklahoma State, uh, which is a little odd, but uh, you actually will never catch me wearing orange, even though, uh, you know, I'll be employed for the uh, the other team now. Um, but, man, I'm just trying to stay busy this summer, uh, getting ready to move and, and trying to stay busy and, uh, yeah, trying to learn some new hobbies and, yeah. Turn of events. I'm really excited for you to start hyping uh, Tylen Wallace this dynasty season. That's going to be a lot of fun now that you're repping the Oklahoma State. So glad to hear, John. Very exciting for you. Uh, don't forget to follow John over on Twitter at DynastyPhD and on Instagram at Scoozer underscore from underscore OKC. We can't have a fireside chat, though, without Mr. Nee Wallace Bruce out here dishing up s'mores. Nee, how's it going? Hey guys, I'm I'm good. I I brought the marshmallows and things are good in the six. The Raptors are back in the NBA swing and they're headed for another playoff run. So yeah, things are good up here, and I'm enjoying as much sun as I can before it gets cold again in Canada. Ah, oh, glad to hear. Glad to hear. It is lovely up here in Ontario. I'm really enjoying it as well. So glad to hear you agree with me. Don't forget to follow me over at the real NWB. And be sure to check out the fantastic work that both me and John have been putting over at importantnonsense.com. They've been killing it on the dynasty end of things. So now, if you haven't heard our last fireside chat, then be sure to go back and check that out. It's titled A Fireside Chat About Dynasty. But that was a little bit of a brighter show, and we're kind of going to go into a darker realm today. Uh, We're going to go over to the dark side of fantasy football. We're going to be talking about IDP. Ghost stories, horror stories of the IDP world. Nee is our resident expert, so I'm going to be defaulting to him. I'm comfortable enough with my fantasy football knowledge to admit that I don't know what I don't know. So I've played IDP. I'm not good at it, and I don't know what I'm doing. But so, John, what is your experience with IDP before we go over to our expert? Well, I certainly don't have as much knowledge or experience in the realm of IDP as Nee does, but it's something I have dabbled in. Um, not too long ago, I was I was able to uh, convince some of my league mates in my longtime dynasty league to kind of create a separate uh, IDP league that uh, we played for a couple of years. I was able to win the league title our first year, but completely missed the playoffs the next year. So um, not the not the the best of experiences overall. But we ended up actually folding the league pretty quickly. Um, you know, but hey, we're still interested in getting it back and running. So maybe if The Rock could sprinkle some of that money around, maybe we could get that going again. 
<laughs> well, if the rock can sprinkle some of that money around and uh, hit us up over on importantnonsense.com, that would be great as well. I would love that. But it does sound like we will both be defaulting to knee. It does sound like you have some experience like me, but it sounds like we're both kind of not really sure and kind of sounds like we're both might be bad at it. It's just kind of 50-50. So strap in, folks. We have knee taking us to school right now. So knee, what is the first thing you need to know when you're entering an IDP league? Well, Jack, I, I guess you could say if um, John is the dynasty doctor, the doctor of dynasty, I'm the professor of IDP. Um, first Ooh, and foremost, love that. <laughs> first and foremost, like any fantasy league, you got to know your league scoring and settings. That's crucial because this is in IDP, this is going to impact the type of players that you're going to target because historically, some leagues have been weighted towards tackles in terms of scoring, while other leagues have been more rewarding to the, the big plays. So your sacks, your fumbles, and your interceptions. So you got to know your scoring and your settings. Of course, of course. So always read the rule book, of, as always. We did have some issues with that in the Important Nonsense Dynasty League. We did have some uh, Jason Draven problems. He was not reading the rule book and so had some early struggles early on. So that's just something that happens when you don't read the rules. So excellent advice, Nee. Thank you very much. I feel like I am learning something already. So with that being said, who is the most valuable defensive player in IDP? And where does that equate in terms of value to an offensive player? So like, let's say it's Aaron Donald. Would he be the wide receiver three? Would he be more or less? And before we ask Nee, actually, we're going to go and let John guess. And we're going to have Nee correct him. So John, who do you think? spot here uh well i would think just the way exactly love putting you on the spot (laughs) Uh, off guard so i would have to think based on my experience with idp and sort of the way knee sort of broke it down a moment ago i'm thinking about players who are going to be involved in plays a lot who are especially involved in tackles so i would think it would have to be someone like a linebacker one who's uh, really involved with the defense so i i sort of think of bobby wagner right away when i think of who would be the mvp in an idp setting in terms of what that would be the equivalent to, you know, my guess um, in terms of, of, of an offensive player would be closer maybe to a wide receiver two uh, in terms of the importance of that position. Maybe wide receiver three might be uh, depending on how you structure your team. But I also think there's just players like Aaron Donald who just have these freak seasons on the defensive side of the ball that I don't know. Maybe it's a player like Aaron Donald uh, who's going to be that MVP just because they just blow uh, every other, uh, you know, a person at their position out of the water. But that those are my sort of uh, cracks at that question. I like both of those guesses quite a bit. And I imagine that you would have had Luke Keekley up near the top if he was still playing in the NFL. But unfortunately, he is not. No doubt. I, I know you're a big Luke Keekley fan. So unfortunately, but Bobby Wagner, good guess. Knee, was John anywhere close to being right? Look, I mean, touching on Aaron Donald, he's, he's a nice play to have in IDP. But... For sure, the, the top five to ten scoring um, players in IDP are often linebackers. They're the cream of the crop, and Wagner is one of those guys. Um, so John was pretty close. I, he's pretty much on the money there, I'd say. <laughs> oh, good for you, John. Uh, you don't often see that. Oh, man. Come on. I'm, I'm just kidding. You get a lot right. All right, back to you, Nee. So uh, continue to explain uh, what's going on with the linebackers. Yeah, I mean, these linebackers, they're usually the guys on the inside that score a bit more. We can get into that a bit later on, but um, these guys, they're the highest scoring in IDP, and in terms of a trade, you know, they'll probably fetch uh, a wide receiver two, perhaps, in a straight-up trade, play for player. And that's owing to the fact that defensive guys, they don't have the ball in their hands as much as the offense. So it's a lot more difficult to assign points as it is 
to guys who are catching the ball or who are running with the rock. So there's always going to be that imbalance in value when it comes to offense and defensive players. So to that point, I would caution against trading offensive players straight off for IDPs unless the value is really, really good. Okay, so we're not looking to trade trade for IDPs. However, when you get a high-end guy, it can equal a wide receiver too. So that is good to know, and that is really impressive. I was thinking it'd be a little less valuable than that, so I'm a little bit surprised. Learn it already. Thank you, Nee. So if I'm in a league where the IDP labels are just D-line, linebacker, DB, what's the proper way to value these positions? So obviously, we've got linebacker first. What about D-line and DB? Yeah, I would definitely go with the linebacker, of course, first. I mean, they're going to be they're going to be uh, show up the most on the stat sheets in terms of tackles and being involved in the defense. Um, then I would go defensive line next. I think just being so close to the ball and having opportunities to make plays on the quarterback or near the line of scrimmage is important. And then finally, defensive backs. I mean, you, you know, even some of the best defensive backs in the NFL can go whole games where they see no targets or very few targets. So that impact doesn't isn't necessarily something that shows up in fantasy for IDP. All right, knee moment of truth. Was John right, or do you need to correct him? I hate to disappoint you, Jack, but John is on the money here. I mean, linebackers are where it's at because they, they get that tackle frequency that is much higher than the other two groups. The, the, the de- defensive line has that big play potential, and then the defensive backs, they t- are weighed down a little bit compared to the other two because of cornerbacks and also being further back from the line of scrimmage. So... Full marks for Dr. Dynasty. Woo! Two for two. Oh, uh, let's go, Dr. Dynasty. Big show from you. You're schooling me today as well. I am I'm just slacking behind you two. All right, so let's move on. Continue to learn. So how much more valuable are D tackles compared to DN? Sorry, it's probably the inverse, I would imagine, because DNs are the ones getting all the sacks. So how do DNs and D tackles relate in value? Is there a big difference? What are we looking at there, Nee? Look, um, now, this is actually a bit of a cheat code that you've touched on um, with DTs and Ds, because there are some defensive tackles in real life that are designated defensive end, but what you really want in fantasy at an IDP is a defensive end who is designated as a defensive tackle. I'll give you some numbers in a second, and it'll make a little bit more sense. Now, using one of my leagues that I played in last year, the median Median of top 32 players at the defensive end position was 137.9 points. Now you go over to the defensive tackle position, and that same median or the equivalent median was 93.7 points for the top 32 defensive tackle players. This is based on scoring settings at my fantasy league. Now Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald in real life is a defensive end. Typically, he comes, he does a lot of pass rushing off the edge, but in my fantasy league, he is designated as a defensive tackle. So this is a guy that can deliver 120-plus points um, at a position where you're lucky to get 100 or 110 is considered good for a defensive tackle. So your defensive ends, they're going to include your edge rushers who are more, more involved. They're getting into the backfield for sacks and tackles for loss, whereas your defensive tackles, they tend to be more geared to the run-stopping they don't see as much um, big play action, so they're good for tackles, but not as much um, of a ceiling, if you will. So if you, if you want to play it right and you're in a league where you have to start a defensive tackle, go get yourself a defensive end who is designated as a defensive tackle, if that makes sense. 
Oh, no, that completely makes sense, especially with the whole 3-4-4-3 three, four, four, three alignment shifts that we see a lot. Like, So the Rams, for example, they run that 3-4 quite a bit. Darren Donald, he's interior D lineman, but he moves from like the three-tech out to out wide all over the place. So no, that does make perfect sense. And we want those guys that are getting a lot of those, as you said, we get the big play bonus. So we want those guys like Cameron Hayward from last year, who was just super impressive. So no, I totally get what you're saying. So I think we are caught up on some of the IDP basics, and we can now move the conversation to our favorite topic, which is Dynasty. So we're going to kick it over to the doctor. John, who is your top young defensive lineman? Give me a D-tackle and a defensive end for Dynasty purposes. Great question. So for the defensive tackle, I really like coming out of San Francisco, the rookie, Javon Kenlaw. Um, I don't know if it's because I've just watched his offseason workouts and I'm just infatuated by that. Um, but also, I think he's coming into a great position. Um, he's replacing DeForest Buckner on that defensive line. And he's coming into a situation where he doesn't have to be the guy on that defensive line or even in the front seven. They have so many good players around him, like, uh, you know, Bosa and the rest of that that defense, that front seven. So I just think he's a good player to pick up. Uh, and if he can fill in that DeForest Buckner role over time, I mean, you can get some pretty good value maybe at a low cost with uh, Kinlaw. Um, I think, of course, like for defensive end, I mean, the obvious answer is is Chase Young. I mean, being the second overall pick in the draft, there's a lot of upside there. But I think kind of for a more deeper dive pick, I like, and I hope I'm getting his name right, but it's Yater Gross-Matos from Penn State, uh, who was taken Yitor. by... Yitor Gross-Matos. Gross-Matos. Yitor Gross-Matos. Thank you so much. Uh, so Welcome. he was drafted in the second round by the Carolina Panthers. Um He's one of those guys I actually got to watch a lot of film for breaking down when I was, you know, working uh, for PFF last season. So I, I think he's just a guy I got to spend a little more time with. But I think in terms of situation, I mean, he obviously has a lot of talent, but the Panthers are completely rebuilding that defensive line uh, from the year prior. They lost Gerald McCoy. They lost Vernon Butler. They're having to replace 33 sacks via free agency in the draft. And obviously Gross Matos isn't going to get those 33 sacks, but I think there's some potential for him to fill in and step in right away and make an impact. No, I quite like, I quite like both of your answers. Honestly, you've been killing it today, John, uh, you might be replacing me as my favorite uh, co-host. So good on you today. But, uh, anyways, moving on from that, we'll say, yeah, jo Javon Kinlaw, he works, moves into the perfect situation because like you said, D Ford, Arik Arm Armstead and Nick Bosa. Those are the three top guys that you're focusing on. And we've got him replacing Javon Kinlock. He had 10 sacks. We can't expect that from, uh, sorry, DeForest Buckner. We can't expect Javon Kinlaw to get those 10 sacks while replacing DeForest Buckner. But it is still a very good position to be in. And the same when you're talking about Yitor. You know, the Carolina Panthers have Brian Burns, who they drafted last year. So he's going to get the main focus from the offensive line and the play calling schemes. And so we've got Yitor on the opposite side, and he's just two athletic pass rushers. It's going to be a lot of fun, and they're going to be trailing a lot, so you get that sack bonus. I really like that idea, and I'm hoping that I'm right in supporting you. Nee might correct me. So, Nee, does John have merit, or is he off base, and is he need correcting again? Who are yours? Yeah, look, um, I'm a Niners fan, and to be honest, I think Jav Javon Kinlaw is going to slot right into that role that DeForest Buckner has vacated with the trade that happened um, on draft night. He is he's a guy that can make moves. He He's uh, tenacious on the defensive line, and I, I can't say he, he, he will replicate the same number of sacks, but I can see him definitely getting a lot of uh, value in IDP. He's definitely a sneaky pickup. The same goes for Yeto Grosmatos. 
He's Carolina. I, I think they spent all their picks on defense, and they're going to be. Yes, they did. Not one offensive player. Not one. That's right. So this is a team that is rebuilding their defense, and there will be some growing pains. At the same time, that means the defense is probably going to spend more time on the field. So there will be opportunities for him. We'll get to that in a second, though, uh, in terms of opportunities. Chase Young, he seems to be the hot property uh, in this year's class. Some people I say that, that he's. Both, I love that both of you went chalk with this. I love that. <laughs> the, the top stud. All right, continue. <laughs> Some people say that Chase Young is better than the Bosa brothers, but we'll have to wait and see. Another thing is he's going to a Washington team that is crying out for, a, I guess, an alpha, a guy that who, who makes moves in the pass rush. And with the guy who came from Carolina in Ron Rivera taking over that defense, you just know he's going to get his hands on Chase Young and mold him into a guy who's going to get off the quarterback early and often. If you're in a defensive tackle-required league, I would highly recommend seeing if Kenny Clark is still available. He had a bit of a breakout last year, but so the season IDP players may already have him, but if not, definitely run out and get him. If you're looking for a couple under under the radar players in Dynasty at defensive end, I'd be looking at Charles Amenehu from Houston. He's playing, I guess he's the next in line behind J.J. Watt and also the Seattle rookie Darrell Taylor. You only need to look at the Seattle depth chart to see that Jadavion Clowney is left town. Ziggy Ansah is also left town. The opportunity is just is there for Darrell Taylor to step up and be the guy. And another thing to consider in terms of sacks and the like is looking at pressures. Pressures matter because these are often a good predictor of uh, sacks. In the same way that um, targets can be a good predictor of yardage and future touchdowns on the receiving side, pressures from the defensive end, they usually translate to sacks in time. So that's something to look out for. And there's positive and negative regression on that side in IDP. Support for the Important Nonsense podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Hey guys, it's Steve. It's summertime. The temperature is turning up out there, and you know when the heat is turned up, your undercarriage needs to be cleaned up. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Now when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. Take your time. You don't want any accidents down there. And the water-resistant technology allows you to even groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates your grooming area for a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand, people. You want to show off that mower loud and proud because... This intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Look, if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. 
Just head over to manscaped.com and use promo code NONSENSE. That's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. One more time, that code is NONSENSE at manscaped.com to get your 20% off and free shipping today. All right, I am learning so much. I had, wow, this is just impressive to me. Uh, so quick question though, Nee, with you hyping up Darrell Taylor, does that mean you've given up on LJ Collier? He was the Seahawks first round pick last year, but he pretty much didn't see the field. Was He was kind of questionable at the time. Have you given up on him then? Is that what you're saying? I've given up on him. I, I think, I mean, he's still on the roster, but I feel like the Seattle front office may have given up on him because that you, if they trusted him, they probably wouldn't have gone out and got Darrell Taylor. I feel like front offices and GMs can't lie when, when they make such moves and they must see something off with Collier or maybe they don't feel his, his uh, health is up to it if they brought in Taylor and they drafted Jamal Adams. And now you might be thinking, hey, Adams is a safety. He's in and around the box. But if you look at where he lined up last season, Adams spent a lot of time coming off the edge in New York. So... That is a sneaky situation to watch out for because now that Seattle has items, they may not bother bringing back Clowney. They may just decide, look, we're going to let this guy roam around the defense and that'll give us time to develop Taylor and maybe even Collier as well. No, I completely agree with that. I think you answered that correctly, especially with Jamal Adams, like you said, highlighting his ability to rush the passer is exciting. And really, I'm not going to argue with Kenny Clark. The dude is a monster. If you have, if you can get him, absolutely get him. Charles Omeni, he also, he was a sneaky day three pick. I thought he should have at least been gone in round three. He fell to day three of the draft. So no, I like both of those pick. But so now we get to, into a little bit of trickiness because we do have the DNs and we have the outside linebackers. So sometimes Khalil Mack, he's a defensive lineman. Let's be honest. He's a pass rusher. He and Von Miller, they're both edge rushers, but in a lot of leagues, they're considered linebackers. So knee in those cases, are you looking at Mack and Miller or are you going with Bobby Wagner tackle machine like John said earlier? Also the, the linebacker position, I prefer the consistency that a guy that can get 10 to 12 tackles is going to bring. So that's guys like Wagner, Dar- Darius Leonard, Tremaine Edmonds. For example, I once had Miller and Mack in the same team in a league, and it was a nightmare, to be honest, because each week you were hoping for that big play to drop into the box score because I was putting these guys in my linebacker spot up against these consistent um, tackle machines, and sometimes you just get killed if, if Mack and Miller don't get a sack. and if those guys are designated as an edge rusher or a des- defensive end player, that's where they belong. Because in, in those situations, the scoring is more like their peers. So it's more like the likes of J.J. Watt and other guys who come off the, the edge. But if they're up against linebackers, you're just putting yourself at a disadvantage because it's boom and bust in comparison to the likes of Wagner, Wagner Leonard, and Edmonds. And you're behind the eight ball each week. You don't want that in fantasy. All right, good to know. John, do you have anything to add uh, with uh, against me here? And who are your top linebackers in IDP? Uh, like we, As we talked about earlier, you were heartbroken when Luke Keekley retired. So moving forward, replacing him, who are you looking to? Yeah, I mean, of course, it's, it's sad to see any player um, retire young sooner than they need to because of injuries. But of course, I think Luke Keekley is one of those that, that hit really hard. I want to say, uh, you know, the year I, the couple of years I've played in IDP, I was lucky enough to get Keekly on my team. So it was just a player I liked watching and rooting for. 
Um, but I'm, you know, I agree with me for the most part. I think I, I like that sort of consistency. I think at the linebacker position, you know, if, you, if you're looking at even in a situation where Mac or Miller is is that available at a linebacker, I still want maybe those those tackle producing um, uh, linebackers. Um, so I'm I'm going to look at I'm going to look at you know players like Bobby Wagner. Um, you know, I think I think he he was mentioned earlier. Um, but I think, you know, Darrell Taylor is a nice, if you're looking at, you know, deeper, I think getting him, like you mentioned earlier as a rookie, I think, you know, um, there's some value there, but I'm going for, I'm going for players that are going to, are going to pad the stats or are going to pick up tackles. All right. All right. So Luke Keekley is an extreme example, similar to Andrew Luck. And it's very rare. We see star players retire in their prime. So, knee barring those kinds of extreme situations, how do you identify linebackers or linemen, for that matter, that you're looking to get rid of, and what are some of the red flags that you're looking for? Yeah, look, when it comes to linebackers and like IDP players at large, it's it's all about snap percentage, and that that's the key indicator for me. If they're not getting the game time or the time up there on the field, and that's starting to trend downwards, for example, Hassan Reddick from Arizona, his um, his percentages of snaps started to, to, to uh, go downwards last year as they rotated him in and out of the lineup. And that's when I'm starting to shop the guy. That's when I'm thinking, okay, they're trying to phase this guy to the defense. And in the end, fast forward 12 months, they've gone and drafted Isaiah Simmons and brought in um, Devondre Campbell to the linebacker position. So sometimes it's better to be early than to be late when it comes to moving players. So that's when I'm looking to trade bait on a player. When, when I'm looking to use a player's trade bait, when the snap percentage is going down. In saying that, I don't use trade bait on my fantasy websites because for me, that just invites low ball offers. So I will avoid those. Um, also, injuries are a bloated contract. Uh, for example, uh, Avery Williamson out in New York with the Jets, he's come to the end of his deal. And I know that Greg Williams likes to play his guys almost every snap where he can. But Williamson is a guy that has an injury history. So if I was holding on to that guy to this point, I'd be looking to uh, entertain offers and move him on pretty quickly. The same applies as well for guys who are over 30. I like to keep my linebackers relatively young in Dynasty. All right, good to know. So, John, I'm going to ask you, before we move on to the young guys in Dynasty, John, are, is there anyone that you're worried about at the linebacker position that's too old for you? And do you find they're age 30? Is that kind of where you're looking at, too? Or do you think linebackers can push that a little bit farther? Yeah, no, I think, I think 30 is probably a good cutoff, kind of like, kind of like the, the, uh, you know, like the running back position. I think that at a certain point, you know, I mean, those hits start to add up. So I want to be really careful. Um, but I also, you know, I think there's there's a, kind of a history of linebackers, um, you know, sticking out maybe a little bit longer than certain positions. So I think it's a position that, I mean, as a good rule of thumb, you probably want to be young. Um, but at the same time, I think, um, you know, it, you you can you can probably hold on to linebackers a little bit longer maybe than you would other positions if, if they're continuing to produce. It's one of those things you probably got to do. Kind of like when you said, watch the snap counts or or watch maybe the draft of the situation. I mean, if you have an older linebacker and that team drafts a linebacker in the first round, yeah, maybe it's time to probably to move on sooner rather than later. Um, but I think I think thirty at least is a pretty good rule of thumb. All right, good to know. I do agree with you. And savvy words again from Doctor Dynasty. Always look, looking young in Dynasty, but we do have those key examples like Marvin Jones on 
offense where they're still going to be produced. We want those guys on our dynasty rosters because they're going to bring us championships. So always just be careful. Always be churning the roster. So anyways, we've talked about the guys that we're looking to get rid of. But uh, for guys that we're looking to bring in and replace them with, Ni, who are some of your top targets? Yeah, look, Jack, um, in terms of top targets, and this is very timely because today, if I'm not mistaken, we're recording on a in early August is the deadline for players to opt out in the NFL season for 2020. So we've already seen CJ Mosley opt out for the Jets, who I just spoke about before. That's going to mean an extended look for Blake Cashman, the sophomore at inside linebacker next to Avery Williamson. And if you like the Yankees, you'll know that this is the first time that a Cashman has delivered success in New York because he was quite useful in IDP last year uh, when Williamson and Mosley were both out early on in the season. And as I said before, Greg, Greg Williams likes to keep his starters out there for extended periods. So it's, it's Cashman, it's James Burgess, and also ne- Neville Hewitt. These are guys that I think they showed that they could produce last year in 2019. And given the opportunity in 2020 with Mosley out and Williamson's iffy history um, in terms of injuries, these are guys that can produce straight away if given the chance. In terms of rookies, it's definitely Willie Gay Jr. in Kansas City. He's, Love he's, Willie Gay Jr., by the way. He's a guy that is, yeah, he's going to get that middle linebacker role straight away. He'll be starting. And the fact that Kansas City won the Super Bowl despite not having, a, I guess, an, an alpha or a leader at inside linebacker. So he's going to slot right in. He's a first rounder, and he's the guy that we've been looking for. Oh, I quite like that. I. The thing I like is you're looking for young athletes at the linebacker position. Willie Gay, freak athlete, incredibly fast. Blake Cashman, another freak athlete. He does have the little T-Rex arms, unfortunately, which, but it hasn't really affected him so far in the NFL. So we're still like, liking Blake Cashman. We're looking for those young athletic linebackers. And so to that note, John, who are some of your young and upcoming linebackers? We're talking about athleticism, so I know you're going to say it. So uh, just get it over with. Say Kenneth Murray. It's Kenneth freaking Murray. Of course it is. No, of no, course I, it I, is. I really like Kenneth Murray a lot there, of course. Uh, you know, of course you do. Of all, course you do. But I'm going to talk about somebody else. Um, he was already mentioned a moment ago, a couple moments ago by me. But I think Isaiah Simmons just being this sort of Swiss Army knife type player. Um, I, I think it depends on where he's going to be listed in IDP leagues. But if you can get him at a linebacker, I think that's just I think that's incredible. He's going to have instant impact as a rookie. He's going to be all over the field, playing in the back end of the field, playing down, you know, as a lineman, play, you know, rushing the pass or playing, you know, uh, as a linebacker. And the, the Cardinals defense is just not very good. So I think there's just a lot of room for improvement. And I think he could be sort of the catalyst for that improvement. So I know it's a little bit of chalk in terms of, you know, his positioning in the draft, but I just am, I'm infatuated with that guy watching him play all over the field. And I think the Cardinals uh, got a steal uh, getting Simmons. Oh, especially on that weak defense. There's a lot of tackles to be made in Arizona because there's their offense is going to be running a lot of plays. They're going to be scoring a lot of points. So the defense is going to be on the field a lot. So a lot of tackles to go around. So Isaiah Simmons is going to be making most of them just like I was back in high school. So that is exciting about out in Arizona. So we've covered the front seven, but as the Patriots have been showing us, the back end is extremely important for real life defenses. Uh, so me moving to DBs are safeties or corners, the money play. Now, Jack, before I touch on this position, I just want to warn our listeners about the Patriots and IDP because you've, you've touched, you've hit a nerve. Uh, you've brought up some 
oh, PTSD. Oh, no, I am sorry. You, you brought us some IDP PTSD for me. Uh, Bill Belichick, he's the Don. He's, the, he's been doing this for, you know, 30 years, pretty much, maybe more, as, as the defensive Don. He loves to tailor his defensive schemes to his weekly opponents. So what this means is someone who was dominant at linebacker one week, so maybe Kyle Van Noy last year, he could have that person coming off the edge next week, or he could have them just out of the defense altogether. It's, it's great in real life because he can key in on his position and take away the key component of the offense and the opposition, which he loves to do. We've seen it and we appreciate it, but in IDP, it is a nightmare, and it is something I do not want to deal with. Anyway, rant over. For defensive backs, uh, safety is where it's at. Um, They typically enjoy more tackle opportunities because they're close to the line of scrimmage and they're inside as opposed to being thrown out on the the wide side. Plus, there's a bit more of a big play potential because there's a potential for interceptions as well as getting sacks and fumble opportunities in in the nitty-gritty of the middle of the field. Cornerback scoring is often more volatile, um, just like some of the outside linebackers that we've dealt with before. Okay, well, so uh, you put a little bit of a damper on my Chase Winovich hype that I've been having all offseason, so thank you for that. Uh, before we move on, though, Nee, I, I am going to have... I still believe in Chase Winovich. I'm just saying temporary oh, expectations okay, each okay. week. <laughs> okay, okay, good to know. So uh, one one more question, though. Devin McCourty, do we hate him since he's a Patriot, or do we like him because he's a safety? As long as he's designated as a safety, he's good. Um, again, just be careful because Belichick, knowing him, he could throw him in a corner. He could throw him in a corner position just randomly. You, you just really have to be careful with. Um, I guess McCourty is probably one of the safer bets. McCourty and Stephon Gilmore are probably safer, but yeah, if I had had it my way, I would just stay away from the Patriots altogether on IDP. Your heart rate will be better for it on a Sunday. All right, so knee has been extremely burned. So anyways, we're talking about safeties because that's what you have an affinity for. So you're looking for the classic strong safety, like Trey Polamalu playing up near the line of scrimmage, or are you looking for the free safety like Ed Reed, the big plays, the interceptions downfield? Are you prioritizing those tackles or the turnovers? Yeah, look, uh, I guess I'm, I prefer the guys that get in the box, the the box bangers, if you will, and can make the tackles early and often. So Jamal Adams is a guy that we spoke about before. He he, For me, big plays, they're nice to have, but they're a bit more like touchdowns on the offensive side. So it's hard to predict. It's not something you really want to rely on. Um, just like my linebackers, I, I really like a safety who can get 10 tackles a game. So... Adams, Dylan James, Jarrell Peppers, guys like that. So, John, with Nee's bounty of information that he just gave us, who are you saying that are the top three safeties that come to mind you're targeting in Dynasty? Bring in mind for me, sort of the big three. I think number one is Jamal Adams. I, I think um, I really like him. I like Tyron Matthew a lot. And then Mika Fitzpatrick, um, you know, those are the sort of the big three, the ones I think are very flexible within their roles within the defense. They, they can play high, you know, as in the safety position, they can, you know, they can cover, they can get into the box, they can rush the passer. Um, you know, so they're sort of, again, those, those gadget, those Swiss army knife type players who are just going to make plays all over the field. Those are the three I like the most. All right, so I'm going to offer my one correction. I would remove Minka Fitzpatrick, and instead I would replace him with a healthy Derwin James because I do believe that Derwin James is probably, if not 
top he's definitely top three, but he might be the best safety in the league when he's healthy. So Ni, who are your top three? Who would you uh, put in instead? Um, yeah, look, uh, it's Adams for sure. Um, I'm gonna go with Dylan James as well. I feel like he's he's that li- that safety that behaves like a linebacker, and that's really what you want in IDP. And if uh, if Isaiah Simmons is designated as a linebacker, he could do a similar role potentially. Um, the third one, I'm gonna go with Jabril Peppers. It probably would have been Landon Collins, but I feel like last year he might have dropped off a little bit. I still think Jarrell Peppers, since going to New York, I think the defensive coordinators have seen his potential that was maybe missed in Cleveland, and he's he's gone to another level. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be a guy to watch in in 2020. No, I quite like Jabril Prep. Jabril Peppers. I am a big fan of his, even though I can't pronounce his name apparently. But do enjoy him, especially because if you're in a league that offers return bonus. Mm-hmm. He is often put there as a return man, so that is exciting. So now, uh, when we move on to corners, are there any corners that come anywhere close to these safeties? John, we're going to have you give us your top three corners in Dynasty who you think, and me, you're going to tell us if he's correct and where they rank compared to safeties. Okay, great. So number one to me, I, I like the defensive player. And he's setting up for failure. <laughs> okay. I like the defensive player of the year, uh, returning Stefan Gilmore, number one. Uh, and I like J- Jalen Ramsey at two, and then going with a uh, with a younger pick, I'm going to go with Jeff Okuda, uh, the rookie uh, playing for the Detroit Lions. I think the first two are sort of surefire locks in terms of their their ability to play the cornerback position. They're going to make a lot of plays and interceptions and pass deflections. Um, but I just really like the upside of Okuda. I think that he has been brought into Detroit to potentially be the Stephon Gilmore for Matt Patricia's defense potentially. So I think just the upside there is, is really um, is really high for me. That is exciting. And I, you you did go hot takey. And so I'm going to go chalk here instead, which I know I always chastise you for doing, but I'm going to go chalk. I'm going to put Davius White now that he has opted in for the season. He's going to be my cornerback three because I'm going to go with chalk. So, Nee, what do you think about our rankings at cornerback? Um, those guys are great in real life. Um, in terms of fantasy, they don't may not necessarily give you the bang for the buck that you're looking for. Just just going through John's three, Stefan Gilmore was good. Uh, I personally would have given TJ Watt the defensive player of the year, but that's an argument for another day and another podcast. But Gilmore was solid last year. He he was up there in terms of scoring. Jalen Ramsey. Even after the trade, he wasn't as high as you might think in terms of because quarterbacks would avoid him. So his scoring in IDP was lower compared to someone like Logan Ryan. Now, Logan Ryan was the highest scorer, not only a cornerback, but I believe IDP overall because the guy just got picked on by any everyone and anyone in uh, fantasy. Okuda is interesting. Okuda is a rookie and typically you will find three or four rookies in the top 10 scoring for cornerbacks each year. But Okuda, as we saw in college, has this strong pedigree. He doesn't give up penalties. He's the guy that he's not necessarily a guy you could pick on. He seems like he has a, a good technique. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him in real life if we're in Detroit and also in fantasy. I would suggest Marlon Humphrey, though. Now, Baltimore have Ooh, quietly amassed... Yeah, I mean, the Baltimore have this new Legion of Boom uh, 2.0 going on on the East Coast with Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Earl Thomas, 
And Humphrey was a high scorer uh, last year in IDP. So he's a name to watch in 2020 and beyond. All right. So that, there's another breakout candidate for you, a name to keep in your hat, and one I'm a fan of as a Ravens fan. And so before we dive, dive deep into the corners in our sleeper candidates, Nee, who are your three sleepers slash breakout candidates that you're looking at at the safety position? Well, Jack, the first off, I'm looking at Marcus May. Now, with the Jamal Adams trade, people will say Bradley McDougald, who came across in the other direction from Seattle, is the guy, but he tends to spend more time at free safety. Marcus May is already in New York. He plays strong safety by design in that Greg Williams system that he knows. And he, he, was pretty, he was productive in some situations when Adams was on the field last year. So the potential's already there. I think he's a guy that's been slept on even after this trade, and he's someone you should scoop up and stash for, for the coming season and beyond. Ronnie Harrison of Jacksonville. This is a, another strong safety who showed some signs of a breakout last year. And with Jacksonville in a, well, are they rebuilding? Are they building? I don't know what stage they're at, but their defense is going to be on the field a lot in 2020, as I see it. And he's going to be busy run, making run stops. He's going to be busy in coverage, and he can... He's capable of making those plays. And then finally, just going back to that Legion of Boom in Baltimore, Chuck Clark was the guy I left out from that back four. And he's a strong safety, if you believe it or not. And he's quietly become one of the uh, underrated safeties in fantasy, um, especially strong safety. So that's a guy that doesn't always get picked up in leagues, but he's in a strong defense, a defense that will be called upon to make plays at the end of the game with Lamar Jackson scoring on the other side of the ball, I think he could become the closer for the Ravens, making a big play at the end of the game in addition to some tackles. As a Ravens fan, obviously I'm quite partial to your answer because I do quite enjoy Chuck Clark already. And I feel like the Ravens always just have that productive, strong safety. And so they had it when they had Ed Reed. They would have, I remember back in high school, Dewan Landry stands out. And I was so upset as a kid because I couldn't understand why the Ravens just let Dewan Landry walk. And it turns out it's because they can just churn guys through that strong safety position. And it looks like they're doing the same thing with Earl Thomas at free safety. Chuck Clark looks extremely talented. So I am very excited about that. John, is there anyone you want to add to the safety category? Or like, are there any Oklahoma safeties in the NFL right now? Or do you even have anyone? Safety, nobody of relevance that I'm aware of. I'm, I'm trying to think. It's safety, geez. We, you know, we used to have, I'm saying the last just great Oklahoma safety, I think, is Roy Williams that comes to mind that made it in the NFL, of course. Um, geez, that's safety. I think, you know, I, I think, I think there's some interesting picks out there. I think um, kind of a really a deep dive. Um, you know, this, I'm not even sure how much this will pan out, but Julian Blackman for the Colts a rookie for the Colts um, taken out of Utah. I just think, uh, you know, he has a chance to step in and make some plays. I think that there's a lot of depth to that defense already, but, you know, maybe there's some room for, for Blackman to come in. But other than that, I think me, you know, really hit the nail on the head there with, uh, with his picks. Quick pivot away from Oklahoma. I quite liked that because there was no good answer. So uh, kudos to you there, John. Put you on the spot. But so now we're going to do the same thing with cornerbacks. And so, John, you, we've already been through the veteran cornerbacks. So, Nee, who are the young up and coming cornerbacks that you are looking at? Jack, I'll be honest. Um, I, <laughs> I try not to, I try to avoid um, cornerback if I can do so. But if you're in a league where you have to play a cornerback, 
Sorry, <laughs> but I'll help you out a little bit. Now, the cornerback position, it has some similarities to the running back position on the offensive side. NFL GMs, they, they, they're quite happy to churn and burn through this position to keep the position young and speedy. So while there are some good cornerbacks out there, like we mentioned, like Gilmore, Ramsey, and also Marcus Peters, predicting success in IDP can be a bit of a crapshoot. So rather than work hard, I'm going to work smart and find guys who are designated as, as cornerbacks but are actually safeties. So in MFL, DeMonte Kazeez of Atlanta is one example. So this is a guy who's designated as cornerback in the game, but in real life, he's actually a free safety. And Keanu Neal spent some time away from the field last year. There's question marks over his future in Atlanta. I'd pick him up. I'd pick up, sorry, I'd pick up Kazee and I'd be happy with that. Typically, I don't hold on to cornerbacks for too long. I like to churn through them like a real-life GM would. Also, a cornerback that can return the ball. So guys who, they don't just defend the ball, but they also return the ball on special teams. Uh, Desmond King is a classic example. He's a guy that is, does kick returns. I think he scored a one or two touchdowns last year. That's a nice buffer to have because cornerbacks, it's not uncommon for these guys to get a zero in a given week, and you won't know part of that, I can tell you. All right, so since we're avoiding drafting cornerbacks, I'm not going to ask John about his up-and-coming cornerbacks. We're just going to skip right over that, look for these safeties, and move on. And so we're going to move on with all this massive information that we have learned today. I don't know about you, John. I feel like I've learned a lot. And so we're going to put that knowledge to the test. John, we're going to play a game of MVP, MIP. So for the defensive line, John, who is your uh, MVP and who is your most improved? For MVP, I think the easy answer for me is Aaron Donald. Um, I just think he's still within the prime of his career and can just put up some phenomenal numbers. Um, so I'm going to go with Donald there. But for most improved player, I'm looking at Marcus Davenport for the Saints. Um, I think they they invested a lot of, of capital in him. He closed out the season pretty strong, but of course had to end the season with a, uh, with a foot injury, the Liz Frank injury. So I think if he can come back healthy, I, I can see him uh, filling in that that improved most improved player on the defensive line. I would chastise you for going chalk with Aaron Donald, but uh, I'm going to go with chalk with the most highly paid defensive end in the NFL with Joey Bosa. I think he's going to be the MVP on the defensive line. Another chalky answer, so I can't be too upset with you. And I am kind of upset with you for your most improved, though, because I was going to say Chase Winovich. Mark Stavenport's the correct answer. It's a better answer than I had. Good job. He's got Cameron Jordan on the opposite side of him. Premier pass rusher in this league. Premier defensive end. So he's got a lot of cleanup. Marcus Stavenport does. So I really like those answers, John. Nee, who are your answers? Yeah, um, for me, it's Miles Garrett for the MVP. I mean, this is a guy who put up significant points in 2019 before he helped um, He helped Miles Rudolph. I mean... What it, yeah, he helped Rudolph put his helmet back on in uh, Pittsburgh and then had a holiday for the rest of the season. Now he comes back. He comes back with a new contract. He comes back motivated and new coach as well in Cleveland. I think he has a point to prove, and I think he's going he's gonna to be some IDP gold if you have him on your team. In terms of uh, most improved, it's Chase Young. I know it's chalk, and I know he's got the hype, but I think this is one guy who's going to live up to the hype in terms of the class of 2020. Even though he may not have the the preparation of rookies of previous years because of the compromised preseason that we're having at the moment. He doesn't need, he doesn't need it. I've, I've seen the tape. I've seen the videos. 
He has Ron Rivera as his master, Zen master, if you will. He's going to be making plays from week one. He's going to need to make plays from week one. He's going to be a breakout candidate to watch in 2020 at defensive end for sure. Oh, okay. So I see it how how it is. So we go. I go with Joey Bosa, and you have to go to the, with the guy that he trumped in terms of contract just to try to one up me in that space. And then you go chalk with Chase Young. I see how it is. Me. All right. We'll go on with that. Anyways, we're going to move on to linebackers though. MVP and MIP. Are you going to take shots at me again with this one? In terms of linebacker, I'm going with Darius Leonard in Indianapolis. For me, they've got an improved defensive line with DeForest Buckner coming in. The, the, the linebackers were already good, and Darius Leonard was um, the, the linchpin of that. I think it goes to another level this year. I think if you are looking for a team defense, by the way, I think Indianapolis are the cheap buy this year. They're the guys that are going to be – you get them – cheap in the draft, and then they end up being top five in, in, at the end of the season. It's Darius Leonard and the Colts. Um, for MIP, the most improved, it's actually Blake Martinez for me. Now, he goes from the Green Bay Packers across to the Giants out there in New York, the, the big blue wrecking crew. And quite frankly, I think he's got no major competition for tackles. So he's going to be... Look, getting that ball, he's going to be getting the, the run stops, he's going to be getting into the backfield. He could be having a bit of a breakout going on in New York this season. You went chalk again with Darius Leonard, but I really can't fault you because there is no other answer. There's no one that makes plays quite like Darius Leonard. And for most improved, I do like the Blake Martinez answer. That is a very strong answer, especially in New- with the New York Giants because they're a bad defense. Someone does have to make the tackles there. So, you know what? You didn't take shots at me with either of these answers. So I'm happy, happy with it. Okay. We can move on to John, John MVP, MIP. Who are you giving us for linebackers? Wagner for the, you know, the linebacker MVP. I think he still has, you know, a couple more years of just dominant play at the linebacker position. He's the focal point of that defense. Uh, And for most improved player, give me Bradley Chubb, huge expectations last year playing sort of opposite of, of uh, Von Miller uh, if you can get him as an outside linebacker and IDP. Um, but I think, you know, his season was obviously cut short with an ACL tear, but I think if he he's back and healthy, um, he was drafted very highly for a reason. And um, I, I really am interested to see how he, he plays out this season, maybe a full 16 games. The Bobby Wagner answer is a great answer. Of course, he for years, he was the number one competitor with Luke Keekley for the best linebacker in the NFL. And I really can't fault you with that. I just personally believe Darius Leonard has usurped that mantle. So I do like that. And I do like the Bradley Chubb answer, especially because he is coming across or face. He'll be lining up opposite of Vaughn Miller. So they do have quite a bit of pressure in there for my most improved linebacker. I'm going to go with Nick Kwiatkowski. He's the guy that the Raiders just signed to go along with Corey Littleton. Used to be a Chicago bear blitzed a lot, a rotational linebacker with Roquan Smith. But he made a lot of plays, got the big contract this offseason, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. So mark that in your cap, little bookmark. Guy I'm looking at for the future for most improved. And so we're going to go to final question now. John, we're looking at DB, so I'm assuming it's not going to be a corner because Nee's going to yell at both of us if we pick a corner. So safety, MVP for DB and MIP. I'm staying in Seattle, and I'm going with the newly acquired toy for Pete Carroll, Jamal Adams. I think he's going to resurrect some sort of semblance of the Legion of Boom. Obviously, not the whole thing, but um, I think he's going to make a huge impact there. 
Uh, and as far as most improved, I'm going to go with Patrick Peterson for the Arizona Cardinals. Last year, he didn't get to play the full season, missed some games because of, uh, you know, uh, suspension. I think having Isaiah Simmons there and a full season of Patrick Peterson, might we might get to see his sort of peak Patrick Peterson again uh, for this year. So I'm pretty excited about his uh, 2020 season. This is a big Jamal Adams podcast. I think everyone here is a fan of Jamal Adams. So it has been nice that we've got to talk about him quite a bit today. I'm not going to fault you for going chalk again because we don't get to talk about Jamal Adams enough. I wish he was an offensive player so we could talk about him more. So, Nee, MVP, MIP, who are you going with? Well, Jack, I think we need to slide into Jamal Adams' DMs and just let him know that, you know, people are out there who who love him in the world of IDP. Um <laughs> I know he's quite vocal on social media, but he's my MVP. And he was my MVP before the trade, even in New York. And even more so now that he's going to Seattle because, as I said before, at the top, he's a strong safety, but he spends a lot of time coming off the edge. I feel like Pete Carroll's going to love that. And he's not even going to bother um, trying to negotiate with Jadavion Clowney anymore because he has a, a proven guy that can come off the edge in, in Adams in addition to his safety duties. He's going to be all over the defense. That's the guy you want to have on your fantasy team in IDP. And for my MIP, it's actually the guy that is replacing Adams in New York. It's Marcus May. So remember that name if you haven't heard it before this podcast, Marcus May. He is the strong safety in, New York, in the Jets team now that Adams is gone. And looking at the linebacker core with um, CJ Mosley opting out, if, if the boys I didn't mention before don't step up, that means more tackles for May as well. We're going to a lot of New York Jets today with Nee Wallace Bruce. Interesting. But I do like the Jamal Adams take quite a bit. I am going to differ from you. I am going to go with Derwin James because I am a big fan of him. And for most improved, I'm going to go with Derwin James' former teammate. And sorry to bring it up again, Nee, but I am going to go with a New England Patriot, Adrian Phillips. So he's a pro bowler for special teams. Uh, missed a couple games this last season. Now that Patrick Chung has opted out, it looks like he's going to be playing a lot of snaps. I'm excited for what Adrian Phillips can do. He might be able to make the Pro Bowl just on his talent at safety alone. So I've, I don't know about you, John. I don't know about you, Nee, but I've really enjoyed my time today. I've learned a lot. Nee, maybe you haven't learned as much because you've just been kind of talking, telling us what to do, and we've been listening. But I've personally enjoyed that a lot. So, Nee, take it away. Just before I give my final thoughts, um, Adrian Phillips is a good um... – Good name to mention because, as you said, he's stepping into the, the Chung role in New England. And also, he leaves behind a strong safety role in Los Angeles. So look out for Desmond King to potentially take over that role um, at the Chargers. A cornerback that plays safety. Now, um, in terms of my final thoughts, um, in IDP, pay attention to snap shares. Molly monitor your depth charts and you'll have a nice time in this potentially wacky year of opt-outs and whatever else is going to be coming to us in NFL in fantasy 2020. Well spoken as always. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Mr. Nee Wallace Bruce. And I do like that Desmond King take, especially Chris Harris. He's going to be moving into the slot and he's already said that Desmond King is going to be playing more safety. So little nugget for you to keep in your cap there. We're going to move on to Dr. Dynasty it off with you. Say goodbye to your countless adoring fans. Everybody be good. Be safe. Never skip leg day. And we'll see you next time.
Perfect. Absolutely love it. That's all from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. Don't forget to check us out over on importantnonsense.com. You can check out the work of these two gentlemen under the Dynasty tab at Dynasty PhD, John Chansey, or at the real NWB, Nee Wallace Bruce. I've been your host, Jack Kavanaugh, and don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!